Today's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great gambling tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive articles, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content. Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Talk Show. Oh, happy day when Robbie Gold kicked the Packers away. Oh, was that sweet or what? Let me tell you, on top of absolutely crushing it in the uh, betting picks, once again, uh, the Packers not only not only did the 49ers cover, which we said they would cover, but I didn't think they would win. I knew it would be close. Not only did they not only did they cover, not only did they win the game, but the former Chicago Bear, Robbie Gold, was the one that put him away. Oh, I don't think you could have wrote a better script than that. Remains perfect in field goals in the postseason. I, Robbie Gold's one of my favorite Bears of all time. I remember. Um, Back when I was younger, for Christmas every year, our uncle would always get us a, a different Bears jersey uh, each year, usually. Uh, and so, like, you know, he asked for like the players he wanted. And for years, you know, I had the Jay Cutler, and you know, he he didn't turn out all that great. And then there was uh, uh, all Sean Jeffrey, and then he goes. He, so then one year, you know, I was like the last Bears jersey I ever got. I was like, you know what? I, I want I want the kicker. I get, give me Robbie Gold because all time kicker jerseys underrated. All time leading scorer of the franchise, and especially when he left, and then Cody Parkey got there, and the double doink. Everyone wanted Robbie back more than ever. Uh, so that jersey even increased in value, and yet I was proudly wearing it the next day after the 49ers won that game. So thank you, Robbie Gold. And now let's get into this week of sports we had, and we say this every week, but boy, what they, was that not the best? division around you've ever seen and the hell they even slayed a playoff games you've ever seen i mean i thought the Bengals titans game was a good kickoff and that turned out to be like an appetizer like that was like the side salad to like the main course that was that chiefs bills game so we're going to talk about each of these individually because there's a lot to talk about uh in all of these and um we'll start with it we'll start with the Bengals and titans and you know what this game showed first off i mean Everyone ragging on Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, deservedly so. He was not good. That was the reason they lost that game. Like, the defense was pretty terrible. Sorry, let me close that door there. Uh, I mean, the defense was pretty good. And he, he wasted a good good defensive performance. But I think what that really showed, <laughs> Joe Burrow is a real deal. If you didn't know it already. Like, that man could legitimately get MVP votes, and I think he showed why in that game. That reminded me, the last quarterback I saw to put up a performance like that was honestly Andrew Luck, his rookie year. That reminded me of Andrew Luck. There was a playoff game, divisional round, Andrew Luck's playing the Ravens. He is getting the crap kicked out of him. There's very little talent around him. He has no time to throw, and he near single-handedly kept that in the game. He kept getting sacked, kept getting back up. He, 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 kept, he kept the Colts in the game. And the Colts wound up losing that game, but that was the game I was like, yeah, this Andrew Luck is legit because he was able to stand in there carry the team under the face of pressure and adversity and keep the Colts in that game and that's what Joe Burrow did starting offensive line was hurt got sacked a record nine times in that game 
and he kept stepping back and he kept chucking it. And, you know, the run game was pretty non-existent. Like, Joe Mixon wasn't doing what he usually does. And Joe Burrow kept him in that game. That, on the road, divisional game, he showed he's the real deal. I think everyone already knew that. But if you didn't, that is one of the best. Not only the best rookies or second-year player, like young quarterbacks. That's one of the best quarterbacks, period, in the NFL. And he showed why. Like, playing on the road is hard enough in your first couple playoff games, too. You know, beating the Bengals or the beating the, the Raiders at home is one thing. You know, it's nice to get a playoff win under your belt, but to go on the road against the number one seed, no offensive lineman, you know, it was like they were moving through them like traffic cones out there. Like the old General Patton saying, it was like shit through a goose, basically. He's getting the crap kicked out of him. Stand there, and he kept taking shots downfield, pushing the ball downfield. Cool, calm, collected under pressure. That's what a franchise quarterback looks like right there. Congratulations, Joe Burrow. And you love his mentality. I mean, even after they won that Raiders game, they asked him, he's like, yeah, you know what? This should be the standard for the next couple of years. But that game is also why... It- Listen, I was wrong about Jamar Chase. The Jamar Chase pick worked out. Like, I knew he was a talented receiver, but it was like, your quarterback who's the face of your franchise, just got injured because no one could protect him. It's a very deep lineman draft. You're not going to draft Panay Sewell, really? Or Rashad Slater? All right, you know, get another... I mean, you have T. Higgins already and Tyler Boyd, but you're going to get another receiver. I mean, it worked out for him, but you can see why. And the, the, the offensive lineman would not have been a bad investment because they that is something, I think, top of the checklist next year that they need. Protect Joe Burrow. Get him some offensive line help. Can you imagine this man with time to throw? Whew! Look out. Uh, finally, we move to the Packers. Packers 49ers. The next game uh, uh, on the slate. Boy, where do we start here? It's one thing to lose a playoff game. I don't put too much stock. Again, everyone judges quarterbacks, unfortunately, by Lombardi trophies. Like how you perform in the playoffs. Which, you know, it could be fair or not fair. I think Dan Marino, you look, he was one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But he, he gets danked. He will never be in the conversation from greatest quarterbacks of all time. Because he doesn't have a Super Bowl. Which sometimes is unfair. Like, you look at how Josh Allen played, he just lost the playoff game. He played phenomenal. So, I mean, you're really going to hold that against him? But this one against the Packers, which is why, like, everyone's always like, well, Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, you know, like, I don't really hold the playoff losses against a a guy. This one you do. Like, there are no excuses for that playoff loss. But did you see the record? They showed the graphic for playoff teams or for in California coming to uh temperatures below 32 degrees it wasn't good so you have a home game it's snowing in Lambeau you have a California team coming to a cold weather climate you had the bye week too they were just coming off an emotional win against the 40 uh, the, the Cowboys there was no excuse to lose that game that loss can absolutely be put on Aaron Rodgers and he has complained Four years. Oh, well, they don't give me a defense. I don't have any help. Well, the defense played pretty darn good. All he had to do was put up 14 points. Two touchdowns. That is not that much to ask. The defense did their job. And yeah, did their special teams blow it? Absolutely. Should they have even been in the position where the special teams had to blow it? No. No. After that Mercedes Lewis fumble, Aaron Rodgers went into shell mode. It didn't look like he trusted anyone. He didn't push the ball downfield. He didn't take any chances. Like, after that first drive, I was very worried about my pick for the 49ers to cover. I was watching that. I was like, ugh, that didn't look good. 
That looked way too easy. And all of a sudden, it was quickly shell mode. Like, it was a completely two different halves. I didn't even recognize him. And that's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And that didn't look like it. You can blame whoever you want. You can blame the special teams. And yeah, with the special teams bad, yeah. Yeah, they were bad. They didn't even have 10 guys in the field for that last, last kick. But you know what? Maybe it shouldn't have come down to the special teams had your Hall of Fame quarterback been able to take care of his business. Because that is a clear indictment. Like, that was an indictment on Aaron Rodgers that game. It also was very telling, too. He wants Randall Cobb during the offseason. Oh, I need Randall Cobb. You know, he's my friend. Well, how many times did he throw to Randall Cobb? I didn't see him throwing to Randall Cobb. The only guy he was throwing to was Devontae Adams. Like, you need to trust other people. The relationships that he built, he clearly showed no trust in any of his other teammates. Which was another reason they lost. And also this whole, oh, well, you know, the people don't like me because of the vaccine status. Sure, I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't like him because of the vaccine status. Uh, I also think it's funny he brings that up to try to deflect. Oh, poor me. I'm the victim. You know, Patrick Cushman came on this podcast at the beginning of the year. And he's one of the few Packer fans that didn't leave. He was like, I want Aaron Rodgers to leave, which I thought was ridiculous at the time. But you can see why. He's like, he nailed it on the head. This man plays victim all the time. And you know what? The reason people don't like him, not only the vaccination status thing, maybe if you didn't hold your team hostage before the season, threatening to retire with the uncertain future, not wanting to come back, alienating all your teammates, not showing up to training camp or the preseason, you know, I don't think that helped his reputation at all. I mean, sure, the vaccine thing doesn't doesn't help, but like, you know who else isn't vaccinated? Carson Wentz. And everyone loved the Colts. You know how many people I, I, I root for the Colts? I don't mind Carson Wentz. They have the same vaccination status as Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, you're going on the pat back feet. Oh, woe is me. Now, take care of your business. And it's just, you know, that, that to me was great. That made it even better watching him lose, especially in the way they lost, disastrous fashion. It's amazing to me, too. Each year they've gotten better under Matt LaFleur in the regular season, and it seems they get worse each year in the playoffs. But of all the playoff losses this week, that one was the most, I, that was the most inexcusable for the Green Bay Packers. And guess what? Your Super Bowl window, it's done. There are so many free agents they have now. No one wants to come play in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers' status is up in the air. And he's like, oh, I don't want to play through a rebuild. Well, you know, you're above a rebuild. Uh, really? Really? Okay. I don't think so, pal. So, you know, he's lucky. He Imagine what Aaron Rodgers' legacy would be if he didn't win that one Super Bowl. Boy, and that's too bad, too, because I think he's truly, like, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I never liked him because he was a, because I'm a Bears fan, so I'm not supposed to like him. But, you know, he's one of the guys over, in old age, he's become like a senile old man. Like, he's, he, Tom Brady I never liked. He's become more likable with old age. Aaron Rodgers is the complete opposite. It's baffling to me. All right, on to the Rams. Buccaneers. Uh, that game had a little bit of everything. You know, <laughs> The Rams' pass rush was very reminiscent to me of kind of the Broncos in 2015. You know, they got after Tom Brady. And that's the other reason we picked the Rams to cover last week, because that pass rush I thought would be a lot. And when's Tom Brady uncomfortable? When the pocket's collapsing around him, uh, and he doesn't have a whole lot of time to throw. So it was very reminiscent of that, especially early on, um, which is why I think this Rams team could be legit. And Matthew Stafford. And this is another reason why, with the playoff win-loss thing, you know, I don't hold that against quarterbacks because it's like, oh, he never had a playoff win. Well, he was playing in an unstable organization in Detroit. He finally gets some stability and look at Matthew Stafford. The man's a gunslinger. And you know what he did late in the game that Aaron Rodgers didn't do? He took chances. Yeah, you know what? Everything was crumbling around him. 
Tom Brady was leading the comeback. After not playing well, it looked like the Rams were about to collapse. And Tom Brady, you know, obviously has a stigma of being a comeback machine. They tie the game. It looks like it's going to overtime. If I'm the Ram, a Rams fan, yeah, I'm in panic mode because it's like this is the perfect Tom Brady script. And, you know, I think the playbook would have been, you know, we don't want to make another mistake. Let's just send it to overtime. Uh, and no, you know what Matthew Stafford did? He said, screw that. We're winning it now. I've waited too long to be in the playoffs. He pushes the ball downfield twice and they win the game. That is why you go out and grab Matthew Stafford if you're the Rams. That was something that Jared Goff, and I thought I like Jared Goff more than most, but that's something Jared Goff couldn't do. That's why the Rams invested all this money in Matthew Stafford. And I think he's proved these past two weeks that, yes, I am a franchise quarterback. This is what I can do when I have help around me. I am one of the game's best. And he showed it. I think they have a legit shot at winning the Super Bowl. Now this game against the 49ers is going to be tough. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, with our pick section, uh, but that, that it's going to be a tough contest. But Matthew Stafford showed why they're paying him the big bucks right there. As for Tom Brady, I, I really hope he doesn't retire. Uh, I've grown to like him more and more over with old age, and it's kind of like the stage I was with LeBron James. Because I remember LeBron James when he was younger. Couldn't stand him, especially when he's a free agent. And everyone's like, oh, he could go sign with the Bulls. He took a couple meetings with the Bulls. And then he has the decision, and he goes to the Miami Heat. So that was already number one. I didn't like him. And then he goes on to that pylon team, so he don't like him. But then it got to a point when he returned to Cleveland, and you're watching him. You get a little older, a little bit more mature. You're like, you know what? At some point, you just got to appreciate greatness. You're watching greatness. Don't bother hating on him. You just got to appreciate it. And that's where I'm at with Tom Brady at these the last couple points, too. As much as I was sick of watching the Patriots win, and, you know, they're cheating, they're deflate gate, and... Bill Belichick being a grumpy old man. It got to the point, especially when he went to Tampa that first year, it's like, all right, you know what? Let's just sit back and appreciate it. So I really hope he doesn't retire because I think he still has some good years of football left. I think he's throwing the ball better now than he was at a rookie. That throw he made to Mike Evans near the end of the game, that deep ball, that's a big-time throw. And, you know, did he play great? No, but that was another one the pocket. I mean, around him, his line didn't give him a whole lot of help. And I think if they run it back, they have enough talent there where I think they still have a legit shot. But, you know, up to him. I mean, what more can he accomplish in the NFL? If, I, if I'm Tom Brady, I'm sitting there, it's like, what more can I really do? Maybe you want to go out like Jordan in his first stint with the Bulls and end on a winner, but uh, I, I hope he stays put. But that was that was a great game. All right, finally, the best game of the week, which is crazy because it seemed like each game got a little bit better and better as the week went along, but the, the Chiefs... Bills game, all-time classic. First thing we want to discuss here, the overtime rules. That has drawn most of the headlines. Uh, everyone, oh, they're unfair. The overtime rules need to be changed. They didn't give a chance to get the ball. Josh Allen got screwed. Well, boo-hoo to Josh Allen, because if I don't recall a couple years ago, Patrick Mahomes had the same thing against the uh, Patriots. He didn't get a chance to touch the ball either. So, you know, I think it was just... He waited his turn, now he finally, the coin finally went his way. And is it a bad system? Yes. But all these Bills fans complaining, oh, this is the reason we lost. No, it's not. You had 13 seconds with the, to, to prevent them from going 50 yards to get in the field goal range, and your defense couldn't do it. A defense, by the way, that's ranked supposedly in the top five in the NFL. And you couldn't do it with 13 seconds left. That is why you lost. You didn't deserve to win that game. If you can't make a stop with 13 seconds left, I don't want to hear about the overtime rules or coin tosses or any of that crap. You shouldn't have gotten to that point anyway. Now, you did waste a great performance. Like Josh Allen, I feel bad for. 
He did not deserve to lose. Yeah, he did everything right. Like, what more are you going to ask from Josh Allen? That he showed everyone, even the doubters that didn't believe in him. Yeah, I actually am a big time quarterback. I am the first or second, the you know, top five in the NFL. Because uh, there were some people that doubted. I think you watched, especially that rookie season, he left a bad taste in everyone's mouth when it looked like he didn't even know the rules of football. He was like lateraling backwards and against the Texans, which was bad. And I think now he is shown with the two consistent performance MVP caliber years in a row. Yeah, I'm here and I'm here to stay. That being said, uh, everyone that thinks it's kind of a lock that these Bills and Chiefs meet again every year, where this is going to be kind of a classic thing, I don't think so. That AFC is tough with a lot of young and hungry quarterbacks. I don't think it's some surefire thing that we see this big rivalry between the Bills and Chiefs and they're meeting in the playoffs every year. You got Joe Burrow who's showing, yeah, he's pretty good young quarterback. You got Justin Herbert, pretty good young quarterback. Um, so that road to the playoffs in the AFC is getting tougher and tougher. So I don't know if it's a surefire thing they meet every year, but uh, that was a, a great game. But Bills fans, quit complaining about the overtime rules. Now, if I was the commissioner in the league, because here's the thing. Everyone likes the college overtime, and I love college overtime too. But I think in the NFL, especially, you know, bigger, stronger athletes, long 17-game season, especially in the postseason, you're worried about injuries. Especially if you got to play another 10 minutes of football and guys have already been on the field for like 20-plus snaps, defensive players. It, it, injuries are a factor. So I heard this theory earlier this week uh, on the radio, and I actually kind of like it. And so let's propose this as the overtime rule. So the winner of the coin toss, they get to pick whether or not they want the ball. So it's the same rules as you score first, score a touchdown, the game's over. Uh, if you make a stop and then kick the field goal, that after the first drive, it's sudden death. Uh, the other team that loses the toss, they get to pick uh, what, or no, excuse me, excuse me. I beg your pardon. The, uh, the team that wins the coin toss, they get to pick what yard line the ball is spotted on. So you could pick the like you could you could pin them back to like the five or not the five yard line. It's kind of like a game of poker. You, you pick the yard line. The other team gets to pick. Do I want the ball or do I want to start on defense? So like you could say I want the ball, but if the other team pins it back on the one. You got to go ninety nine yards to score. I think that was an interesting thought, and I I kind of liked it because then it's also a game of strategy. It's like well where do we want to spot the ball? You want to pin them back. You want to get the ball first. You want to pin them pretty deep, but you don't want to pin them too deep where. You know, they keep, they, they say we want to, uh, you know, say, say they say we want to play defense first and you pick the five yard line. You got 95 yards to go. Then there's some interesting strategy. Guys aren't playing very long. I think the game racks up quickly. I actually really like that idea. Uh, I think that would be an interesting way to do the OT rules, but, uh, we shall see what, what they decide. Cause you know, the NFL is going to look at it. I think after a couple years of complaining in a row about this, they're, they're definitely going to look at it, but, um, even for the playoffs. I think regular season, you keep it as it is because these guys don't want to get worn down. But Bills fans, quit complaining about the the stupid overtime rules. Also, I have a bone to pick with Bills fans. Everyone thinks these Bills fans, oh, oh, they're the greatest fans in football. We jump on tables and pour ketchup on each other. These guys, they're no different than any other fan base besides the table jumping and whatnot. But everyone's like, oh, the Bills fans are the best fans in football. You go to any other city, all these fans are like that. I mean, come on now. The only difference between the Bills fans and everyone else, like you don't think the Steelers fans, you care about their team as much as Bills fans? Everyone just feels sorry for them because they haven't won a Super Bowl. But the only difference is it's colder up there and they jump on tables. But besides the table jumping nonsense and maybe the good tailgating, 
But like other people tailgate, I go to Lambeau Field for a preseason game. Everyone was tailgating there. That was a great tailgate. Uh, you know, these Bills fans are not that much better. Everyone glorifies Bill fans like, oh, they're above everyone else. I don't think so. I'm seeing through that whole facade. Not part of Bill's Mafia over here. No survey. I mean, the table jump, you know. I think that was started by some doctor in Buffalo, so they could, you know, not a whole lot of business up there. So they started the table jumping phenomenon. So uh, yeah, these chiropractors can get a bunch of business <laughs> keeping these back doctors in place and shoulder replacements and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, that, you know, what are you going to do? All right, we're going to get into our uh, divisional round picks. We have been crushing it over the past couple of weeks. Uh, we're 16 and 4, I believe. Over the last uh, our last couple of weeks uh, of picks, we pick three games a week usually. This week, obviously, we can only pick two. Uh, so here it goes. And this one was actually the the one game was they're tough. They are tough this week. They picked some good lines as Vegas generally does. But I'm going with the uh, first up. We're going with the Kansas City Chiefs minus seven. That's a lot for a playoff game. I was just talking about how much I like Joe Burrow. But I think the banged-up offense alignment is going to be too much to overcome. Despite the fact the Chiefs' defense just got torched by the Bills, the Bills have an elite offense. Josh Allen's an elite quarterback. Uh, this this defense is usually pretty good. I think at home in Arrowhead's another big factor. Like I mentioned last week, I think outside of maybe Lambeau, a field when it's snowing, the Arrowhead Stadium is one of the toughest stadiums to play in, especially in the playoffs. A little colder there. Defense is getting loud. And that... the the thing that nearly cost them against the Titans, I think, will cost them against the Chiefs. Their offensive line is not very good, and their offensive line is hurt. These teams also played once this year. Cincinnati was at home, and they scraped by with a field goal. So it's hard to beat a team twice in a season uh, in general. I think even you see like the divisional, and I'm going NFC North here because I've watched so many Bears games, but like the Vikings and Packers this year. I mean, the Packers had no business losing to the Vikings, and they, they still split. It's hard to beat a team twice in bottom line in, in the NFL, especially a playoff caliber team. Now they're at home, a little bit more experience this is going to be Joe Burrow's toughest task yet they didn't have the benefit uh they didn't have the bye week round once so they're coming in limping in banged up not a great defense crowd noise Patrick Mahomes is on a heater uh better coach too so I'm going to take the seven uh I, I don't like it but between the two that's the side to play if you're going to play either of those so I like Chiefs minus seven there uh other game this one was also tough Three, it's three and a half. I'm going Rams. I'm taking the three and a half points. But this is why you got to be uncertain about this. So, first off, and this is, I'm out in Southern California right now. All over the radio here in L.A., they're talking about how they're worried about 49ers fans taking over SoFi Stadium. I mean, they should be, too. They're charging $5,000 for nosebleed seats. So, you got all these uh, San Francisco people up there. They got that big tech money. They can afford that. Most of these starving artists out here in L.A., they can't. So these 49er fans, they travel well. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be as big of a home field advantage as people think. Uh, this 49ers team, too, inexplicably, they keep winning games they shouldn't like be winning. They're overcoming Jimmy G's uh, limits, I guess. He, he has some liabilities with Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback. They've been overcoming him, but I think it kind of wears out. Same thing. The two emotional wins in a row. They're going to be a bit more banged up. I really like LA's pass rush. 
You make Aaron Jimmy Garoppolo uncomfortable. You got Aaron Donald bearing down on him. Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd. That's going to be tough. I think Jalen Ramsey helps limit Debo Samuel in the passing game. Run game, I got just enough beef up front uh, to slow slow them down as well. And I also like Matt Stafford, too, between the two quarterbacks. I think he's been playing really well, and they're back at home. So that's why I'm going to take the three and a half. But this is going to be a close game. The other thing I really, you know, I said it's hard to beat a team well, twice in the same season. Well, the 49ers have already beaten the Rams twice. So it's also harder to beat a team three times in the same season. I think they've seen each other. They know what they're going to do. There's no more Kyle Shanahan's going to be able to out-scheme them. Because I think it's just going to be mano y mano. Uh, and so it, it, the third time in the season to beat a team, it, I, I just don't see it happening, especially at home. So this is going to be a close game, too. I think the 49ers keep it close, but the Rams will pull away late. There's too many advantages there. So I am taking the Rams minus three and a half. So both favorites this week. Taking the Chiefs at home minus seven. Taking the Rams at home minus three and a half. These are two tough lines, though. Don't feel great about either of them, but I think that's the side uh, to play. And also, I think you get a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl, that's going to be an explosive Super Bowl. That will be a fun one to watch. So I'm kind of rooting that just from that perspective, too. But, you know, can you really go wrong with Smoke and Joe either with the big cigars? Would I, would I be devastated if the Bengals pulled off the upset? Absolutely not. But uh, that's where I'm rolling with. That's what money my that is what my money is going on this week. All right, we're going to close out the podcast, talk a little baseball here. Uh, by the way, if you haven't heard uh, already, uh, I had an exclusive interview with the uh, three-time All-Star, former Cy Young winner Jack McDowell. Uh, that was a great podcast. He revealed uh, why he hates analytics. He talked some interesting stories. He, he talked about some players that were doctoring the baseball and cheating back in the day. So very interesting. If you haven't checked it out, definitely do so. You can go to my Twitter, Mitch Kaminsky99. It's retweeted on there as well as Dorm Room Dispute. You go to our uh, Twitter page on there. But uh, we're going to talk Hall of Fame before we wrap it up here. Uh, so David Ortiz is the first ballot Hall of Famer. Barry Bonds could not get in the Hall of Fame. Kurt Schilling could not get in the Hall of Fame. And I think you've heard it all now. It is kind of a joke. Like, David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer, sure. First ballot, absolutely not. Like, he's got the third lowest war out of any Hall of Famer, and I think he's trailing Kirby Puckett and uh, who was the other one? It was one war. But it's the third lowest war of a Hall of Famer. Which, it's sad, too. It's sad. The MLB Hall of Fame is ruining their reputation. Because I genuinely believe, I have been to Cooperstown, like, it is the hardest sport to get in the Hall of Fame. Like, out of all the sports, the, being an MLB Hall of Famer means the most out of the other ones. And they are tarnishing the reputation right now. The message that they just sent, because Kurt Schilling didn't make it, let's be honest, because he canceled culture. He got canceled. And is Kurt Schilling a dick? Absolutely. Do I like Kurt Schilling? No. Should he have said the hateful things he said? Absolutely not. But from a pure baseball perspective, the man should be a Hall of Famer. Barry Bonds, the same thing. Like, there's been known steroid user. David Ortiz, he used steroids. Other known steroid users have gotten in. Yeah, and so we're gonna, we're gonna, he was a Hall of Famer even before the steroids. And you cannot, the, the Hall of Fame should be about telling the history of the sport. You cannot tell the history of the sport without Barry Bonds. You know? And there's been worse people in there than, than Barry Bonds. I think the, the what we learned was Kurt Schilling was a dick, didn't get in. Barry Bonds was a dick, didn't get in. A-Rod was a dick, didn't get in. David Ortiz, 
nice guy. And oh, by the way, all these guys use steroids or performance enhancers. Barry Bonds or David David Ortiz, nice guy. He gets in. That's what that that was telling me there. I, I think it was kind of a joke. Um, not only that. Barry Bonds didn't get in, and Kurt Schilling didn't get in. More so Barry Bonds than, than Kurt Schilling. I, I was, I think that was worse. But the fact that David Ortiz was the first ballot Hall of Famer, absolutely not. Who should he have been a Hall of Famer? Yes. First ballot, though. And Barry Bonds couldn't get in? No. And yeah, thank you to whoever just commented that MLB, one of the ways right now, it does look like it. It looks like the worst Hall of Fame out there. It looks like these, these salty writers, you know, Picking favorites. And you notice, too, that all the people that post their ballots, because you can choose when you fill it out. Do you want it to be anonymous or do you want it out to be public? Everyone that's, like, put it out public, they've, I've looked through the ballots. They look correct. It's all these anonymous people that are the ones that are not letting Barry Bonds and Kurt Schilling in. So if you don't even have the, the balls to show your face when you're voting against it and explain yourself, then, like, should you really be the Hall of Fame, uh, be a Hall of Fame voter? Like, if you're gonna say, like, I'm not voting for Barry Bond, and you make it public, and you can defend yourself, fine. You know what? That is fine. But this hiding behind, you know, anonymity, that just shows, I think they know deep down they're wrong, they're just not letting him in because they don't like him. Because he was a jerk. Now, there's a lot of jerks that were in there. There was guys that were in there before they even let, uh, minorities play baseball. You think those guys were nice? No. Yeah, the, the sport of baseball has a dark history. Bud Sealing, too. You don't think he knew about all these steroids? When Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa mashing all these home runs. Oh, he knew uh, damn well what the steroids are going on. And it was good for the sport. It was good for business. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Give me a break. That's all we have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your football Sunday. And like I said, if you have not checked it out, if you are a sports fan or a baseball fan in general, I really recommend you should listen to that podcast. You can find it on our YouTube channel as well if you want to watch the whole thing. Uh, Dorm Disputes YouTube, Jack McDowell interview. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.